This week's episode is brought to you by Third Eye Comics, your friendly neighborhood comic shop with seven locations in the Maryland, D.C., and Virginia area. They're your one-stop shop for all things comics, graphic novels, toys, games, records, movies, and more. Not local, but still looking for an awesome place to meet all your comic needs? They've got an amazing website, shop.thirdeyecomics.com, where you can browse thousands of items, Pre-order your new comics and have it sent right to your doorstep for a flat $5 shipping rate. They were such a blessing during lockdown. Mm -hmm. Just as our Usagi Yojimbo passions were brewing, we were able to reach out to them, order all the books that they had on their shelves, all the saga collections from Dark Horse Comics, and get them to our door lickety split. And here's a little hot tip. They have out-of-print comics at cover price. I hate to tell you that, because we want them all for ourselves. You'll be shocked by what you can find on the shelves at Third Eye Comics. And they have a massive grand opening event happening on January 27th, 2024. That's this year, everyone. That's this month from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's their new Third Eye music and video location cradled between Third Eye Comics and Third Eye Games in Annapolis on Chinquapin Road. It's over 8,000 square feet of records, movies, books, and other fun stuff. They are doing a grand opening sale. Save 20% off everything in stores at all three third eyes. Excluding trading card games and new releases from 1227 to 127. First 25 in line will get a free third eye music and video record tote, keychain, and t-shirt. I want all of those things. We do not have a third eye comics near us. But we do make the long trek out to Annapolis on a routine basis because the shop is so grand and gorgeous. And it's an honor to have Third Eye Comics sponsoring Comic Book Couples Counseling because, yes, they are one of the best comic book shops in the country. Google any best comic book shop list and you will find them. And it's in no small part because they have the kindest, most helpful coolest staff on the planet. They will fill your comics niche. But again, even if you're not within driving distance, it's worth checking out their website. Find a link in the show notes and start browsing and shopping today. Third Eye is here to help you read comics, play games, collect toys, spin records, and never grow up. You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. And I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four-color realm. Once upon a time, in this episode, there was a hawk, a fox, a girl made of stars, a podcaster made of Diet Coke, and her (laughs) husband who thought they were ready for all the world had to offer in our creator corner. We are talking to Jadzia Axelrod about Hawk Girl from DC Comics. Oh, that one tickled me, Lisa. Um, I'm in such a good mood because we have elevated ourselves to a new social status, that, everyone. That we have. We own a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Brad's parents would never admit 
that that's what they got me for Christmas, but <laughs> it is exactly what I wanted and now I have one. Yeah, we cannot afford a rich person's vacuum cleaner. Sucking power is very important to me. <laughs> we we have to ask for it, we have to beg for it. It has to be a <laughs> gift. But it's it's here now, it's in the love nest, it's behind me as we speak in a box, and we're so excited to crack it open and get to suck it. So if you hear the sound of giddy anticipation in our voices, it's for two reasons, and one of those reasons is because I've never been more excited to vacuum in my life. I feel like since last year's San Diego Comic-Con, every other episode has had us, has featured us complaining about our messy pigsty <laughs> of an apartment. Yeah. And I feel like finally having this Dyson will cure us of our pig pen nature. That is some pretty big talk, especially <laughs> considering that most of our messy apartment talk has to do with our, what I like to call our floor drobe, which is all of our laundry in different states of cleanliness kind of piled around our apartment. Yeah, the floor drobe has shelves and drawers made out of crusty, <laughs> right-angled uh, old t-shirts and shorts and jeans. It's it's not going so well for the comic book couples counselors, but it's a new year. It's all about resolutions or, or intentions. intentions. And our intention is to be a little tidier and our carpet will be underneath our floor drobe will be less dusty thanks to this Dyson. But you mentioned that the the giddy anticipation that our listeners can hear, it, it, one of the reasons is because of the Dyson. But the other reason, Lisa, is because finally we have Jadzia Axelrod on the pod. Yes, we have been playing email tag or like ring around the microphone with Jadzia ever since Galaxy came out because one of my all-time favorite pieces that I ever wrote for Comics Bookcase was an interview with Jadzia and Jess Taylor, the artist, and I have never been so jealous of myself. It was like <laughs> such a great conversation, but it was for a written article. So I thought somehow magically we could just recreate that, reheat that conversation for Comic Book Couples Counseling. But I think what we have here is like, I wouldn't say that it's even better, but like you can't recreate well, an totally interview. Well, it's totally different, yeah. right? Like one, Jess Taylor's not here. Two, this conversation isn't necessarily about Galaxy, the prettiest star, but about Jadzia's work on Hot Girl, the recent miniseries. But just like we learned from reading Hot Girl issues one through six, you can't go back in time to change something in the past to fix the present. We never got that dream Galaxy prettiest star interview, but we have a dream Huck girl conversation, and I'm so happy. One of the complaints about the big two that you often hear is that they're inherently repetitive. We keep getting stories about Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Superman. Rarely do we have a new hero. And then along comes Galaxy the Prettiest Star, and it feels like this, whoa, this whoa moment. Like, here is somebody cool. Here is a mythology that I want to know more about. But even when you're reading Galaxy, you're thinking, mm, I doubt they're actually going to incorporate this into the DC universe. Universe, but aha, along comes Hot Girl, and Galaxy is a huge part of the DC universe, and it feels extraordinary. When I first interviewed Jedzia and Jess, we talked a little bit about what it's like to create a character to fit in this existing universe, and how they wanted to create a character with legacy, with their own mythology, 
and also kind of fulfilling something in the universe that has been untouched before. Like we can't have another hero with the same set of skills as every other superhero. They really thought long and hard about how do we meet a need? How do we fill a space? And I feel like that's one of the beauties of comics. Like we talk about the like, you know, Batman's been around 75 years and we talk about it like it's a bug, not a feature. Like that's what the job of comic book creators is, is to look at a sky full of stars and find a little dark gap and go like, I have something that fits there. I can bring a little yeah, bit totally. of light. I can bring a little bit of radiance. I have curiosity for this area of the universe that has not been poked yet. The DC universe is not just extending, it's expanding. And so when I think of something that expands, that growth is is not just on the outer edges, but also on the inside. And for me, I feel like that's what Jadzia is doing with Hawk Girl. We feel like we've been walking down the streets of Metropolis or, or ducking into dark alleys in Gotham. And like, in a way, like we've seen everything. Yeah, we got it all mapped out. But we don't. We've actually ignored a lot. And that's why we need creators like Jadzia to be kicking down doors and, and going into dark spaces and illuminating these areas of the universe that we love so much that we've never even thought to be curious about. And Kendra is one of those dark spaces. What does it mean for Kendra to be the DC Universe hot girl? That is what Jedzia is exploring with this particular series. And she's such a nerd about it, and she does not want to upset continuity. She doesn't want to retcon her way into her own idea of what Kendra as hot girl should, should be. She wants to play ball with the creators that came before. I feel like it's like more than play ball. Like I feel like it has, like um, maybe that, um, maybe I'm just biased because I don't play sports. Well, neither do I. <laughs> it's always dangerous when I use a sports metaphor. What she wants to play is Grant Morrison. She's playing Grant Morrison. She's doing what Grant Morrison did with Batman Incorporated, respecting the ingredients. And that's yes. a metaphor a Top Chef fan should understand you and appreciate. You are now officially speaking my language. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Like, to me, I love... I love Jadzia's reverence for the continuity. And we do get into that in our interview. I don't want to spoil it. And speaking of spoilers, this is a full spoiler interview. Yes. Like our conversation with Dan Slott about Silver Surfer or our conversation with Chris and Laura Somney about Jana and the Impossible Monsters, this is an ultimate hot girl conversation. We got to get into the nitty gritty to really enjoy our conversation with Jadzia. And that's one of the reasons why this conversation took so long to happen because we were waiting for Hawk Girl to wrap so we could talk about all six issues. So if you have not read those six issues, you really need to do so. They're all currently available. They're waiting for your brain and your eyes and your heart. Get on them and then come back to this conversation and revel in it all. But if you have not read it yet and you're not like particularly spoiler averse, I think you could still have a really good time with this chat. I personally don't believe in spoilers because I feel like you can't 
ruin the totality. You can't reveal the multitudes of a story in one interview. The older I get, the more I kind of see your point of view, Lisa, but I do come from a spoiler phobic family <laughs> and I do want to protect our spoiler phobic fans that we love. So that's why this warning's here. So here's a broad strokes plot synopsis. Hawk Girl, who is Kendra, is suffering this identity crisis. Be careful of the word identity crisis, <laughs> oh, Lisa. Oh, man, I keep using the C word, <laughs> and it's so inappropriate. But, like, uh, she's just gone through a horrible breakup, and she has all of these past iterations of Hawk Girl kind of bearing down upon her, and she's feeling kind of controlled by all of these histories, kind and of. And there's no Justice League, right? Right. So she's out on her own. Right. She's feeling sort of rudderless. Like, she has never gotten to be herself out of the context of being in like a superhero team. And while in this state of vulnerability, along comes a new villain, Volpecula, who has the ability to look at your timeline, find your weak spots, infiltrate, and then change a tiny detail that will then affect your present. While Kendra is trying to find her work life, home life, past life balance, Galaxy shows up to just give her some perspective. We really enjoyed excavating this series with Jadzia, and Jadzia was so generous with her time and consideration, and we're so excited to share this chat with you, our beautiful listeners. But before we can do that, we got to do some... Referrals! Sponsored by Omnibus. Omnibus is a modern digital comic book store and reader app carrying your favorite single issues, volumes, and omnibuses all day and date. Just like your local comic book store, you pay per book, but digital. Their focus is on building an excellent customer shopping and reading experience and using novel discovery features to help fans find their next new favorite book. They feature top-tier content and already have many of the top publishers in comics today. In the spirit of helping people find their next new favorite book, we have our referrals segment. The idea is to give our counselees, that's you guys, further reading on the themes of the episode. Think of it as us sending you to specialists to further your healing journey through comic books. Lisa, I went first last time, so that means you gotta go first this time. What book do you have up your sleeve that will align thematically with Hot Girl? I'm pretty proud of this one. Allow me to refer you to The Many Deaths of Layla Starr from Boom Studios. Uh, you're also gonna shame me because I have not read this one yet. I know. And I and I and I do so from an exalted place because <laughs> it is January. We uh -huh. have already done all of our lists of the best books of 2023. Yep. So now I am gap filling for my past, and so many people have recommended this series to me. It's only five issues. Why have I been putting it off? And it just so happens to be a perfect referral pairing to Hawk Girl. So in Hawk Girl, Vapecula goes into people's past to change their present. In the many deaths of Layla Starr, the physical manifestation of death is going into humanity's past in order to stop them from discovering immortality. I feel like both of these books have a lot to say about like new beginnings and how much you should allow your past to define you in your present. Like it's like this idea of like every new beginning in your life is a new precipice from which you stand 
and recontextualize everything. And that's what Layla Starr is going through. And now I see why people have been rattling my cage to read Layla Starr since 2022. It's all of those things that I like to talk about. It's so deeply thoughtful and it's also visually stunning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you are a person who has already been to this exalted place, you have already read Layla's Star. <laughs> they also have issue one as a pen and ink version. I love those. So you get to see Felipe Andrade's art kind of stripped down. Yeah, And it, that gives you a new perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, everyone's been telling me that I would love this book, and now you're telling me that I would love this book, and I'm sure I will love this book. I just need to read this book. There's so many books. Uh, for my referral, I think I was kind of thinking along the same lines as you were. I am reaching back to a classic comic book couples counseling episode when we had Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing on the show to talk about their Star Trek series from IDW. That is the series that brings back our beloved Benjamin Sisko from The Wormhole. Uh, you may remember from the conclusion of Deep Space Nine, spoilers for Deep Space Nine, but Cisco ascends to his role as the emissary of the prophets in the wormhole at the end of that series. And now years have gone by, the comic begins, and Cisco has returned from the wormhole because the Bajoran prophets are saying, hey, uh, there are these godlike beings out there and they are being murdered by somebody. And Cisco, as our emissary, you need to go out and figure out what's going on. And that mystery is compelling, but for me, Star Trek has always been about character and while that mystery propels the narrative my interest is really circling around Cisco's deal you know he's come back he's missed so much his relationship with Jake is different and the series really takes its time to investigate those dynamics and Deep Space Nine always enjoyed exploring concepts of religion and, you know, big ideas like God, even when Star Trek itself so rarely did. And there is a prickly electricity to all Deep Space Nine stories when it's exploring the Bajoran faith and Cisco's role as an emissary. And I just eat that stuff up. Like the IDW Star Trek series is extremely enjoyable as an Easter egg fest and as a very nerdy Trekkie story. And I love all the connections to all the various Star Trek stories that we adore. But it's that central exploration of Cisco and his relationship with his son Jake and his relationship as the emissary of the prophets that I am here for. And that relates back to what Kendra is going through in reckoning with her relationship to all her past lives. She, like her current self, can feel very small to all the lives that had occurred before her. Like, what is she compared to them? And that's kind of like Cisco's relationship to the prophets and these gods that are being murdered and the big, big stories beyond his tiny little human body. That's something that I relate to so strongly because sometimes it can feel very comforting to think like I have a destiny. Like I have a vocation of, of what I'm supposed to be doing and being in this world. There's a mission, a purpose. It, but I also wanna have my autonomy and I don't always wanna be serving my destiny. Right, right, right. Can't I just watch like six episodes of Top Chef today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's finding that like, like we talk so much about like, 
work life balance. You have to find the like destiny doing idle BS yeah, balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta embrace the BS every now and again, uh, or more often than not. Uh, so those are our referrals for this week. Both Lila Star and IDW Star Trek are available on Omnibus, and you don't need the Omnibus app. You can just go to any browser. If you've got a screen and a browser, you have access to Omnibus. We have a link in the show notes. Hit up those links, browse around, look at the comics that we referred you to, but find some other stuff as well. And the Omnibus universe is always expanding. In fact, they partnered with Massive just recently, and they're providing the digital fulfillment for their Zorro Man of the Dead campaign. I just read Zorro Man of the Dead. I'm a Zorro maniac. He is. And, uh, you know, Alex Toth's Zorro is like the apex. And I'm always curious to see a new creator take on that iconic character, kind of like when Dan Scotty took on Flash Gordon. So that's pretty exciting. And I love seeing Omnibus branch out into other avenues. It speaks to the market's confidence in Omnibus's space in the digital realm. Yeah, people are betting on Omnibus. And that is going to bring us to the end of our... Referrals! As we've already stated, all six issues of Hawk Girl Once Upon a Galaxy are currently available, but the trade paperback will be hitting comic book shops on the 4th of June. But Brad, it's just barely 2024. <laughs> that feels like so long from now. Yeah, don't trade wait uh, for this conversation. Get those singles, flip them open, and dive into this chat with Jadzia Axelrod. <laughs> Jadzia, welcome to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We've been trying to do this for, it seems like, forever. A long time, yes. But we've made it happen. Our conversation about Galaxy the Prettiest Star was like one of my all-time favorite interviews. And the fact that it wasn't a podcast was like a crime. So this yeah. is our way of absolving that. So I want to start with, you begin Hot Girl as a fairy tale. And yes. I want to get into why... You decided to make that choice and how do fairy tales function for you as a storyteller? Right. Well, I mean, this all comes down to like, this is my first like proper superhero book, right? It's a, it's a floppy that's in comic book stores. It's got the DC logo on it. Like as I love galaxy to death, but it's not a traditional superhero story the way that Hawkgirl is. So, um, this was my chance to do all the little superhero things that I've always wanted to do. And we'll see that throughout the series. I'll, I'll keep pointing them out. But one of them, and a soapbox that I continually harp on, is that superheroes are a modern folklore and that they have these characters and stories that are told and retold. And you don't necessarily have to know the urtext in order to know the story and the context. And I feel like especially um, now we have these characters like Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman that function more in a folklore context than they do in an actual literary context, which is fascinating to me. So that was something I definitely wanted to pull into this book as well. The previous Hawkman series um, by Robert Venetti and many talented artists, Brian Hitch for most of it. That was very science fiction-y, and I wanted to do something more fantasy for Hawkgirl to kind of separate it from that storyline. So, and that also came into, when I was thinking of the villain for this piece, 
um, I went through like a list of what animals bother hawks because <laughs> there's not really <laughs> like smart. a predator for hawk, right? They're alpha predators, but there's a bunch of animals that compete for resources. So I made a list of those and was looking into them. And one of them was foxes. And there's a lot of um, folklore and fairy tale resonance to fox characters and them being tricksters. And to have a character who's a trickster villain, um, just someone that hot girl couldn't finish by punching in the face real hard, was very appealing. So all that stuff kind of came together in this sort of fairy tale-esque idea of a trickster villain from a larger folklore context and a fantasy context. But also the main one of the main themes of this book is how time changes us. Mm -hmm. And so for a character who's grasping at adulthood and to introduce that thing with a story from childhood, and especially with something that has so many flashbacks to childhood, just felt right. In my research, in a lot of interviews, you mentioned that one of your goals was to streamline Kendra's origin story. Yes. And I feel like you've really you've really nailed it. Like oh, I feel thanks. like just creating this point of separation and this point of inspiration, I think, was just just what she needed. Like, what was your in for Kendra? What what helped you crack that character? Well, my my favorite version of Kendra has always been like her early appearances in JSA because that's when I fell in love with her um, because she was a jerk. And <laughs> when I read those stories, I was like, yeah, the, the jerk characters are the best blood. Um, but also because like the person she's being the jerk to is these golden age heroes like Alan Scott and um, Jay Garrick, who no one is a jerk to. Everyone respects these guys. And she's like, nah. I forget you. Uh, and I like that about her. So when researching this book, I was like, this is the Kendra that I enjoyed when I was reading story. And then watching her evolution through various writers and various stories, uh, it was clear that who she was now is not who she was then. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons we can pull for that, but like, I don't want to... Um, I think a lot of it has to do with her being a supporting character in other people's stories mm -hmm. and, and being a Hawkman supporting character and then later a Justice League supporting character. And like what that meant was that some of her characterization that was so cool when I fell in love with her has kind of gotten lost to be for her to be more of a team player. And you can look at that as the character getting older and more mature as... Um, things happen, um, or you can look at it in other ways. And I, I wanted to take it as text, essentially. I wanted to look at this as all being like, what if all of this was on purpose? Because I know it's not, because like it's over 20 years and half a dozen writers who all have their own ideas. So no one is like looking at this, except for me, as like a, th a perfect through line of Kendra Saunders. But I was like, but if we do, if we do look <laughs> at it, what were the causes that made this happen? And it was surprising to me that it does kind of line up. And it's like, if we look at us as someone who has slowly burned off parts of her life, right? Like if we look at the fact that we never hear about her life outside of superheroing anymore, if we look at that as a conscious choice, that this is a woman who's decided that superheroing is the only thing she does because it's the only thing she feels she's good at then 
the rest of the character falls into place. And that feels in line with the um, smart mouth brat that I fell in love with years ago, because this is someone who's like, there it was a it was clearly a defense mechanism for someone who is out of their depth and now she's in her depth but at a cost of a lot of the things that made her more of a well-rounded person and so that was just really it, it really came together in that way in a way that i was quite happy with and i didn't have to force or pretend like some things didn't happen um I almost did. Like I talked to the editor and was like, do we have to acknowledge that Blackest <laughs> Night happened? We can pretend that didn't happen, right? And and to Dave's credit, he was like, maybe you should think about including that. I, I think that might be important. And I was like, all right, I can talk about it. And then including that actually became a very um, important part of who she is and why she is. Like, like that was something that I'm glad we included and glad we kept. So... Yeah, I just wanted to create a a version of the character that took everything that came before and made it made sense as much as I could. And I, I could have gone with a clean slate and just like started a whole new Kendra Saunders for 2023. And I don't think anybody would have been mad about that at DC. But I, as a fan of the character and as a fan of a lot of those stories from JSA and then Hawkman... I really wanted there to be that continuity and to have that feeling that this is a character who had those adventures and is now moving on to new adventures. One of my favorite things in comics is when a creator embraces continuity, no matter how wacky it is, because that is like how- Or life, frustrating, or how frustrating, frustrating it is, yeah. How life is. Like if you were to like, just take different points in time uh, in, out of- your life or I if I were to do that for my life it's not a straight line like yeah what got me here is not a straight line and 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 um that's kind of what this story is all about so I want to go to the inspiration for Vulpecula because yes. she has a truly terrifying um power where she can go back in your timeline and mm -hmm. kind of seek out where you were vulnerable or or where you could be conceived of as like weak or compromised and and poke you there to change yes. your present. So what was what was the inspiration for that power specifically? Um, right. Well, it was something that I wanted to deal with because I knew there was going to be an issue where we flashed back to a lot of points in Kendra's life. Like before I knew anything else, I was like, we're going to have essentially the Hawkman series, but one issue and it's just going to be about Kendra's life. It's not going to be about any other past lives. Like that is something I wanted to do because there was a lot of moments that in her existence that we hear talk about and never see. And so I was like, one th if I do nothing else in this series, we are going to see some of the moments that um, in Kendra's history that we never do. So I wanted to do that for sure. Um, and to have someone who's who goes back in your own life and is like, Maybe you made a different choice and now your life is different. Resonated with where Kendra is now um, because of everything that happened in Hawkman. So who is Kendra Saunders when the reincarnation cycle is over, right? Mm -hmm. Like what does that mean for her if someone else, if Shaira is the one who finishes the right reincarnation cycle with Carter. What does that mean for her? 
And that's the was the main question. So it was like, well, it's probably she's re-examining some of her life choices. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then like, well, then a, a good villain would be someone who is has the power to help you re-examine those life choices and maybe um, can cause you to change those life choices. And I didn't want to do an, an It's a Wonderful Life thing where she makes one change and then everything is different and she has to go back and change her life. But I did want someone who presented that as a threat mm -hmm. that like, you could change everything and everything would be different and you would lose what you have and maybe gain something more or maybe lose something more, but you won't know because of the person who makes that decision is a person you're no longer are. Volpecula having that ability to go back in people's time and like address them when they were vulnerable is really scary to me as someone who's a parent of a child mm -hmm. <laughs> and you see how vulnerable they are. But it also really works with Kendra who is presenting herself as not vulnerable, as very strong and powerful and firm. But at the same time, she's been doing superheroes since she was a child. Like she started at 19 and like she's still a very young person. And so, and is still very vulnerable to a lot of things as young people are. To have a character who like specifically is there and challenges a very specific vulnerability that Kendra has is superhero comics 101. Um, the twist here, I guess, is that it's a it's a personal vulnerability rather than a power vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Well, we all have experiences with regret, right? And what's cool about Volpecula is she basically weaponizes regret. Yes. You know, and um, I, I think... A weaponized regret for Kendra is, because of the reincarnation cycle, extremely unique. But it's not so unique that we don't have an entryway as readers into that experience. Right. And, and even when she's thinking back in her life, like in that issue five, by going back, she wasn't really weak in the ways that she was afraid that she was, you know? Right. To me, yeah. like the idea of, especially having seen Volpecula be able to go to other people and like where the compromise was like instantaneous and to watch Kendra not compromise when anybody else would be compromisable, I guess, I think was just really a, a really amazing insight. And in a time where Kendra is really trying to figure out who she is specifically. And I love the idea of, cause she has an extremely complicated past and she has many other people's complicated pasts attached to her. Like this idea of like, okay, are you actually your past? And, right. and, and maybe, and maybe you're not. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think especially with a character like Kendra, who is um, the latest version of another version of another character, mm -hmm. right? Like she's twice removed because there's Hawkman and then there was Hawk Girl, and now she's the latest Hawk Girl, right? There comes the question of like, why Kendra Saunders? And not why not Shaira? Why not Shira? Why not any of the other people who have been um, Hawk Girl? And so one thing I really wanted to show with all those flashbacks is like, this is why Kendra Saunders. Mm -hmm. This is why she's important and why she's cool. She is the one who at five years old is like, I don't know if I trust you, weird fox lady coming in offering things. Um, and I don't need you. I mean, this is the girl at 16 who's like, I had sex. I'm now pregnant, but I don't regret having sex. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not someone who had this happen to me. I 
had control over it and I enjoyed it and it was something that I do treasure though now I have I'm pregnant and I'm I'm going to deal with that I don't need your easy outs that's something that's interesting and, and powerful and wonderful about the character that I really wanted to showcase another one of the things that Kendra is really battling with in this story is loneliness and it's a loneliness like she doesn't really recognize in herself because she's always been like so surrounded by people mm -hmm. and then we have galaxy come along and relate to her and and what i love about galaxy is that she doesn't have to have a one-to-one -one connection to mm -hmm. to relate to someone like um i at one point kendra is just kind of venting about like I have all of these past lives like impressing themselves upon me and they're inside me, but they're not me. And like, and I know that you don't understand it. And Galaxy goes, I understand it in a shade. Like I understand what it is to be in a dissociative state. And it's like, just like this moment of connection. And like, what makes Galaxy like, like that? Um. Well, Number one, she's the best. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> obviously. Um, but also like her um, experience as being um, so many others, right? She is an alien. She is queer. She is trans. Like she knows what it's like to feel outside, right? And so she is more than excited to bring someone inside whom she sees outside the door looking in. Like that's what she wants to do because that's how she feels so often. And that's what she wants someone to do to her, like bring her in. That doesn't always happen. So she's works hard to bring other people into her life. Um, and that's the great thing about having a character like that on this book um, because those personalities of Kendra's like, I don't need anyone. I'll be fine. And Galaxy's like, everybody needs someone. Come on. That push and pull worked really well together. And I was really happy um, that I got to use Galaxy in that way because the characters don't feel like they would fit together on the surface. But as they um, got to know each other, it was quite clear like how well they work with each other. And that was really um, great to write. And I'm really glad that that happened. I had a bunch of characters in mind to fill that role of like, how am I going to make this weird plot work? And also who's going to have a personality to bounce off of Kendra if they wouldn't let me use Galaxy for whatever reason, but they did. So I didn't have to use any of those backups, which is great. So so then the assumption is that Galaxy came with you onto this project, like that you always wanted to have Galaxy in the hot girl project or maybe even if you weren't going to do hot girl would galaxy always have come to come with you into whatever your first superhero story was going to be for dc i mean i don't know how to answer that right because like it's a it's a hypothetical i did not plan to originally have galaxy yeah. in the book if that's the the question when, when i was starting the story it was very much just kendra um and then as it developed and it was like, I don't have space to include a romantic relationship in here. Um, so the emotional quotient is going to have to be a friendship of some kind, not uh, a romance. And that's great. 
who is that going to be with? And then it was like, I have this plot that requires like the externalizing of souls. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like weird things happen. And like, I need someone who can comic book way make that happen because Kendra doesn't have those powers on her own. So it was one of those things where it's like, I have all these problems. What is a character that can fix that? And like the first th- character I thought was like, oh, duh, Galaxy. She's perfect. Like she's got this personality that's different. She's got the power set that works well enough. Um, and she can be like the friend that Kendra doesn't have. Because one of the wildest things is, or all through Kendra's like publication life, like she starts as someone who does have friends. And then all those friends kind of, don't show up anymore and it's mainly about her and a love interest Mm -hmm. um girl needs some friends girl Mm -hmm. needs someone that it's not a romance that she's dealing with but someone who just cares about her because of who she is um and putting galaxy in there and especially galaxy having an established romantic partner right and showing kendra the stuff that she's decided she doesn't need it all fit Mm-hmm. so yeah it was something that was not there originally but it was early in the conception of the book Kendra was definitely in need of like a fresh perspective because yes. um, she brings up multiple times like people keep telling me who I am people keep telling me who I am and and I need and I feel like she did need this opportunity to kind of just be herself with someone who didn't already have a hot take you right know? Uh, on her yeah I mean that was something that really struck me reading these old stories is we see Kendra so often through the perspective of other men Mm -hmm. um we don't see her like like it's it's always speed is telling a story about Kendra it's Carter is seeing Kendra and like we see it through his lens it's through Roy or Martian Manhunter or like any of them and it's never like who does how does Kendra see herself yeah. And that was something I really wanted to bring into the fold. And it's really important that Ken- that Galaxy is there. And she even says at one point, I'm not here to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not here to tell you what to do or who to be. I'm here to just be next to you and like and understand what you're going through. Do you feel like hanging out with Kendra kind of being in Kendra's like brain space has has taught you anything or or do you have a Kendra now in the back of your mind who is who is inspiring you in any way um that's an interesting question let me think about that I mean like there's a there's a lot of me and Kendra in general because I'm also someone who struggles with depression so to bring that character element which is something that's kind of been put to the side with her characterization until the series was something that was very important to me and to to have that be a an important part so I guess an answer to be like there's always been a bit of Kendra in me and in that way yeah one of the 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 moments that went like straight to the center of me like straight to my heart was when Volpe I'm just going to approve. Yeah, yeah. Boy <laughs> saying, saying a hard name. Um, tries to shame her for having too many fresh starts. Yes. And, and I feel like that's something I personally like shame myself for. 
Like we both do. Where it's just like sometimes I judge myself against the person I thought I was going to be at this point in the past, I guess mm-hmm. is a, a way to say it. Um, so like that idea of like like going like, you know, like I, I don't know. It just really like that just really struck me in that moment. Yeah. And it's like that contrast being of Kendra, someone like to have those three characters, you have Galaxy, who is always looking toward the future. Mm-hmm. And being like, we're moving forward. That's what I'm doing now. Like, the past is the past, and I'm moving forward. And then you have Bulpecula, who is like, no, um, we're moving back, actually. The forward, forward is dumb. The future is horrible. <laughs> I'm going back to where I grew up, where I was happy. Um, and none of you can stop me. And then you have Kendra who is torn between her desire to move forward and the anchors of the past and the history that um, for the longest time has defined her. And so it makes sense that Volpecula would be like, look how many times you've started over mm-hmm. and where has it gotten you? Another new beginning? Forget that. Because that's similar to what she's experienced and is like, I'm done with new beginnings. They're fake. I'm I'm going back to where I was happy. Then you have Galaxy over here who is like, you got to keep moving forward. It's the only thing you can do. It's the only way you can achieve happiness is if you keep going forward. And Kendra um, decides that in a very real way, like I am moving forward. I'm not going to be obsessed with the past and my successes and failures before may have created me, but they don't define me. And, you know, the climax of the book happening on Nth World, uh, it's, it's so great to return to that very strange landscape uh, and, and and provides such a great backdrop for all the emotional uh, struggles that the characters are going through. Um, was that always part of the early idea as well? Yeah. I mean, the whole... The brief I was given when I was asked to do Hot Girl way back in the beginning was to create a platform to tell more Kendra stories and to tell them separate from Carter and Shira um, and to have her have her own little section of the DC universe. That was what I was asked to do and happy to do that. And one of the things um, that when I was thinking about it was like, all right, Kendra's if Kendra's a member of the Justice League, all of them have their own little like ballywicks that they deal with um, types of villains. Like if it's a space thing, you're going to deal as Superman and Green Lantern. Like that's that's who's taking point. If it's a mystery, you go to Batman. If it's a science problem, that's the Flash's area, right? If it's um, kind of a mystical, magical thing, you have Wonder Woman or Zatanna. Like you have people in there. What does Kendra bring? If she's part of the Justice League in this way, what is her Ballywick? Where is she coming from? And it's like, she doesn't really have one. She's there because she looks cool and she's got a cool weapon and she's going to like pummel it. But like, what does she bring to these larger stories? And um, and you see that in a, a more of the recent Justice League stories of them trying to give Kendra more of a Ballywick and like, with various forms of success, but because it's an ensemble story, we never really get the depth that it, it needs. 
So I was like, let's give Kendra then her own little corner of the DC universe that is hers. And let's bring that as a place where we can get new villains that are hers. Um, and also like, let's define her as a character a little stronger. And one thing I really liked about Kendra, the more I thought about her is that she's kind of a knock around guy. Like she's like mm -hmm. Wolverine or Hellboy and that she is like a very, for lack of a better term, blue collar person who is in these battles with like these larger than life figures, these monsters and that, and she's there cause she's the one who can do it. And she'll whop an ogre upside the head and be like, yeah, that's the gig and, and move on. And it's like that characterization really fit. And that's not someone who's in the justice league um, personality wise. So it's like, yeah, Kendra's a knock around guy. She's the one who takes the hits and then gets back up and is like, I can do this all day. Giving her this sort of mythological folklore fantasy realm that's hers and that she is an avatar of a knight of the ninth world. So that if there is new monsters that come from there, she's the one who you go to. And they're like, how do we stop this Minotaur? Minotaur is a bad example because that's from Greek myths. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the idea that you could, um, by going back to Kendra's past and going like, and this is what she always wanted. You know, she always wanted to be a knight and a princess at the same time. Boom. Yeah. It's so satisfying. So we haven't even gotten into the art and working with a man, say, Nahuelpan. Say it one more time. What was that relationship like? What was that um, creative Incredible. exchange like? Incredible. Wonderful. Yeah, he's he's great. Um Number one, he drew every ridiculous thing I asked him to. So props to that. Uh, number two, it's really great to work with him because he is an artist who just loves drawing women and doesn't matter what shape they are. So often you see in comic books, like there's one type of woman and that one type of woman gets different hair and different clothes, but it's the same shape over and over again. And I really wanted, since this was a cast primarily of women, um, to have everyone be different shapes. So you have Kendra, who's very bulky. Um, I sent him pictures of a female power lifter and like, I want these arms. And he's like, done. <laughs> um, and then we have um, Galaxy's more traditional um, comic book girl. And then Cat, who's fat. And then we have Vulpecula, who's more lithe and Abilene, who's very petite. And like to have these characters all look different in silhouette was really important to me. And I didn't even have to tell a man K how important that was. Mm. He just did it. Cause he like got where I was coming from and, and is, and you can tell in the way he draws, like he lovingly does Kendra's muscles the same way he does Cat's um, curves, the same way he does Volpecula's grins that like yeah. contort her face all of this stuff he just clearly has a joy for and it was so wonderful to work with him in that way and to see that on the page um and he had some incredible ideas uh, my favorite was when we were talking about the ninth world he was like can i add a bunch of like mad max yeah. uh costume elements in the last issue to show that she's been there a long time and i was like that is so brilliant yes absolutely do that uh, and it looks great. And it really sends the message that she's been here a while. Um, 
And like, so a lot of stuff like that, where he was just like, can I do this? And I was like, yeah, of course you can. That's brilliant. Um, so we had a really nice back and forth um, that I really liked. Like it made it very easy to, to do this book in general because he can draw anything and it makes it look great. So we get done with Hawk Girl and it feels like, okay, this is where Hawk Girl is now in the DC universe. Uh, and, and it feels like there's so much more potential here. And I know this was a six issue series, uh, but with the hope of more to come. Um, is this a character that you feel you need to return to in the future? Uh, and and and, can, and how can we swing editorial to make sure that that happens? Can we please live with her for a while? Yeah. Um, I would love to return to Kendra in the future. I have so many ideas. Like there's all these little breadcrumbs of stories that um, are in that mini series. And I'm like, I'm going to pick you up later. Mm -hmm. Um. So I would love to do more Kendra. Um, that's a decision that's not up to me. But if it was, I would be all over it and be writing her for like 60 issues or however long it took to get all the stories that I wanted to tell down. Um, like I have the next three arcs that I would do with her mm. if I get the chance, like outlined. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for her romantic interest. I know there wasn't room in this story. But right. I, I'm I'm ready for it to happen. I'm excited. I'm so excited for Kendra. Yeah, I think she's in a good place now. I think she's in, and that was the goal, right? To kind of put this character um, in a place where she can tell more stories, to have a book that be like, I want to get into Kendra Saunders. And it's like, here's your book. This is everything you need for us to move forward. If you want to read the old stories after you read this, you have a background, so you know what you're looking for. If you... Don't you don't have to, but it's and, in the true spirit of comics, right? Like that's what comics should be, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was why I didn't want to do just a blank slate. Like I wanted to, like if people did get excited and wanted to read those little hawk stories, like you could, and you, and this connected to them in a pleasing way, um, which I, I have seen people do. Like I've seen people pick up the old uh, Hawkman series and talk about it because they read the hot girl one, which is delightful. Um, yeah, so I I would love to tell more stories. I definitely have more ideas. I've absolutely talked to edit DC editors about it. Um, DC loves what I did with hot girl. I just want to make that clear. Editorial yeah. is down. They liked it. The question is whether it's um, going to find an audience. And that's something that is going to have to wait until the trade comes out and then those sales are tallied. Um, so we all have to buy is, that trade. I want, yeah. well, I want it. I want at least one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a really beautiful book because it's going to have all the variant covers in it too. And it's going to be nice. Um, I do wish I had gotten a, a few more issues. I feel like p the audience momentum was just starting to pick up with issue five. And like, I feel like if we had six more would have really would have like gotten there. Um, but that's not what the publishing schedule was. And like with something like DC Comics that has an extremely tight publishing schedule with no wiggle room, like it has to be, it would have to have been a runaway success for them to be like, we're leaving money on the table if we don't do an issue seven. Um, it was not quite that. It got close. And um, I, 
I feel like we're going to see more Kendra stories in the future, hopefully written by me. And because I, I have more story to tell and I would be very excited to do it. Yeah. And the book does scratch a lot of itches. Like it does feel like, oh, Jadzi is here to play. Let's play. I mean, getting Batman into the story. I don't want to leave this conversation without oh, yeah. talking about <laughs> the Batman moment where Batman then kind of gives his approval to Galaxy. Not that she needs it. Yeah. But I I really, I like that, you know, Batman go like, okay, yeah, you belong here. Yeah, well, that was inspired. Um, my wife bought me a, um, a cameo from Kevin Conroy when Galaxy Aww. came out and he told Galaxy in the Batman voice that she belonged. And that was just so powerful to me. And that, um, and he passed away not long after that. So it was really something wow. powerful in that moment um, that resonate and still resonates with me. And so like, I wanted to put that in the book um, and to have that line in there. And also to be like, again, Galaxy is trying to figure out if she fits being a superhero in the same way that Kendra is trying to figure out if she fits being a real person. So in the same way that Abilene is there to be like, yes, Kendra, you are someone who can be a real person and a superhero. Batman is there to say, yes, Galaxy, you're someone who can be a real person and a superhero. Um, and it's just a nice moment. And like a man cave drew the heck out of that yeah. page mm -hmm. like that guy loves batman i think more than me <laughs> and i love batman but it was just a beautiful moment and yeah i really like that issue three is really fun and and i like that a lot i like i have two thoughts about that first thought like we never think of batman as like the feelings let's connect individual but he is a person who sees the thing that is needed and, you know, and the the idea that Batman would solve the mystery of what Galaxy is asking for and going like, and here is here is the exact right tool that you need. You need this affirmation right. in this place, I think, was really, really like a beautiful thing and a really like a beautiful moment. And the fact that Kendra later was like, oh, that's wild that you got that. <laughs> you know, like you, you got three words out of him. That's pretty that's pretty uh, uh, great. Yeah. No yeah. He doesn't give three words to many people. So, yeah, yeah. One thing I think that is powerful about Galaxy is that she knows that being a superhero is an option, which yeah. I think is truly beautiful. Like the level of autonomy that Galaxy has is something that a lot of superheroes feel that they don't have. It's something that Batman feels that he doesn't have. It's something that Kendra being anointed kind of feels that she doesn't have. And, and like, galaxy being able to really weigh her options is kind of like a unique position for for a superhero to be in like where do you think that that level of autonomy comes from well i think it comes from her origin right like in the galaxy book she has this sort of superhero origin but it's not focused on her being a superhero it's focused mm -hmm. on her being who she is right so like from jump, that's who she was. And like moving her into a explicitly superhero context um, means that that superhero-ness about her is not all of her mm -hmm. because it never has been. So like she is 
um, a superhero and she, you know, wants to be a good superhero and wants to do the right thing and has these powers. And there's like three or four untold stories that have happened between Galaxy the Prettiest Star, yes. Star and Hot Girl that I've mapped out that like bring her to this arc, right? So, which was a wild thing to do. Can I just say, <laughs> to have a character you've written as a teenager and then to move them up to 22 and then be like, so what happened in between? So Full that- actualization. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, like, how do, you, how do you get to this, you know, young adult? Who is she now? And like, what has happened? And I was like, okay. Well, if everything I ever wanted to say about Galaxy happened between uh, now and then, then this is her arc and this is where she is now. And it also comes to the fact that like she has bigger concerns than superheroing. Like superheroing is fun for her and it's and she sees it as important. But like she's stopped an alien invasion, right? Like that's different than some person wearing a mask holding up a bank right or whatever yeah yeah you know like her concerns are a little bigger when and so she has a sense of perspective on this and it's like yeah um you can save the world and it's that doesn't mean it stays saved and -hmm. like she knows that in a way that kendra has a lot of problems with i do sense some like unresolvedness in galaxy like her her story is clearly not over and like we see it in a moment between her and her girlfriend where her girlfriend has to encourage her momentarily to like continue moving forward Mm -hmm. but like i feel like there are some things left in her past to kind of be healed yeah she's she's seen some (laughs) (laughs) yeah and she's done things um like before Hot Girl starts, that has caused her to question um, whether she has the ins- instincts for this and whether it's like something she needs to do. No, she does have the instincts for this. Like between you and me. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Like the, she knows the right thing to do and she cares about people in a visceral way. And she has the abilities to act on that caring. Um, which not everyone does. So, so like, she's always going to do the right thing. She's always going to be someone who, when there is trouble, she will be there. And we see that in issue one, right? Or issue two, uh, the very beginning where she's talking to Kat and Kat's like, we don't know anything about Kendra. She just is crashed through our skylight. And Galaxy says, well, she needed help and she came to us and that's all I need. Um, and that's who she is. And it's n- like like Kendra, the story is not about her discovering something new about herself. It's about her trusting who she is and trusting her own instincts and her own personality. And And that's hard as a queer and trans person <laughs> when you live in a world where... Um, you're constantly being told that what you are is incorrect. And so the fact that Galaxy has these stumbling blocks, despite being a capable superhero, is, I think, very relatable. That's also what I find so beautiful about issue five. If someone was looking at your timeline and going, where where are the places you are weak? 
no, in fact, Kendra, you were strong in those times. And and I and I think like that's like a really like it's a it's a really good thing to be reminded of in like a literary context, but it also in like a personal way. Like those times in your life where you were at your rock bottom or you were being questioned or you were confused, you were actually still strong and you were actually still yourself. And, and you were surviving it. Yeah. You survived it. You survived it. Yeah. Yeah. I One of the things I wanted to do with this series was to prove and present this idea that Kendra Saunders is a superhero because Kendra Saunders is a superhero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's not a superhero because of the Hawk legacy. She's not a superhero because Carter trained her to be. She's not a superhero because she's secretly Shaira in a new skin. She is a superhero because of who she is and her experiences that have brought her to this. Like that core of who she is is important and what makes her such a great and compelling character. Worthiness is such like a complicated thing, like mm -hmm. in superhero stories and also in life. Where yes. like you're constantly going like, am I worthy of this opportunity? Am I worthy of taking this risk? Am I worthy of whatever? You know, like the the idea of connecting, especially for women specifically, the idea of connecting to what are you worthy of? What are you capable of? What does the world have room for? You know, it's just, you know, like to, to have that underscored in this narrative is just, I think, really insightful and really important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Specifically, you and your whole team. It's an extraordinary story. I'm, ex I'm, I'm excited for even more people to read it. And I'm so excited that I've, I've read it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I don't think I've ever had more fun writing something than this. It was mm. just really, um, like, as heavy as it gets, it was just a lot of fun for me to, to play in the space to play with these toys, to have Kendra fight a dragon, to have Batman yeah. guest star, to um, you know, show show A Town a little bit, which is something we commented on. Like it was a it was a throw-off line in Galaxy the Prettiest Star that was then picked up in Action Comics, which I love. And then um to define that a little further, yeah. to put to put the gay bar in there. Um, like all of this stuff that it's just fun. It's just fun. Like we're talking a lot of the heavy things. In that's, <laughs> that's, that's how this show goes. Right? So like it's a very heavy book in a lot of ways, but also it's a lot of fun. Um, and we have, a, you know, superheroes are fun and everything is big with superheroes. So like the lows are extremely low, but also the highs are very high. And that's a delightful way to write things. And I love that, like, the DC universe, just like our universe, is ever-expanding, and there's room for everyone, and there are corners that are underexplored, you know? And so, like, the idea of just, like, you know, just peeking, peeking around the corner and seeing Planet X is just, like, so fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was really nice to, like, have Galaxy as there as a queer superhero and this not be, like, a Pride Month book, right? Like, right. as yeah. much as I love the Pride Month books and love being a part of them, um, to have her just exist as a queer superhero in a storyline, I it felt so great to me. 
Well, thank you, Jedzia, for the comics. Thank you for this conversation. Uh, we're so excited for whatever comes next. Uh, Are we out for, of time for, already? Oh, uh, I, I, I think so. I think we're wrapping up, but uh, the oh. door is always open. Yes, please. Uh, so come on back for any kind of conversation. I mean, it's your show. You're the one who gets to say whether I come back or not. I'd be happy to do so at any time. Done, done, done. Absolutely. Thank you, Jedzia. Thank you. Do you want to hear the most ridiculously awesome thing that I did not put together until after we've hit stop on this interview? Uh, yeah? The gay club that Jedzia plopped into Metropolis is called Planet X. Yeah. And Planet X has been Jedzia's Twitter handle for years. Yeah. So she invented a gay club, dropped it in Metropolis, and named it after herself. That yeah. is like the most baller thing ever. So I guess I can't follow suit with my Twitter handle of at mouthdork. <laughs> no, <laughs> though that would make an excellent name for a gay club. I agree, but don't sell your sidewalk siren handle short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just so glad that we finally got this conversation on the record here at Comic Book Couples Counseling and not Comics Bookcase because they've died that website. <laughs> not really. It's being reborn as something new and great, and you should go over to comicbookcase.com to see what all the hubbub is all about. But I adored this conversation with Jadzia. I really liked your angle about worthiness, mm. Lisa. I thought that was extremely fascinating. And I also really liked our discussion about fairy tales and how we can subvert them for a modern context. Yeah, because our present is just a fairy tale that we're telling ourselves. Like, for me, my takeaway from this conversation is that, like, success is not actually a straight line. We get to a place of success, and then we look backwards, and we just kind of edit out those those points points in our journey that don't make sense to where we're at right now. And I like how... Incorporating Vopecula, incorporating Kendra's past lives, going like, hey, your life is a zigzag and you gain your power from looking back on your life and, and telling your story from a place of triumph mm. and seeing your failures as struggles over adversity. Like, you are the master of your own narrative. Yeah, so obviously Lisa and I really loved Hawkgirl Once Upon a Galaxy. Uh, we bought the digitals of it. We bought the single issues. We've pre-ordered the trade. Uh, we did all of those things because... We feel like you need to if you want more stories like this one from Jadzia, which is basically what Jadzia said at the end of this conversation. So if you want more of Jadzia Axelrod's Hawk Girl, you need to buy the singles, maybe, and also buy the trade. Definitely buy the trade. Show DC Comics that there is a hot desire for more stories like this one. I find my heart getting sad because this episode that I have long anticipated <laughs> is coming to a close. But I, but I have to remember that with every ending, there is also a new beginning. And we have lots of new beginnings here on Comic Book Couples Counseling. Yeah, new beginnings. We are launching our second year of comic book movie screenings at the Alamo Drafthouse in Winchester, Virginia, this upcoming Sunday, the 21st at four o'clock. We will be screening Ang Lee's Hulk from 2003, starring Eric Bana, a much maligned comic book movie, but we say an underappreciated comic book movie. And we're not the only ones because we are bringing an in-person celebrity guest, Yes, 
Philip Kennedy Johnson, the current writer of Marvel's The Incredible Hulk, will be in person at the Alamo Drafthouse this Sunday, signing comics if you want. We will definitely be doing an introduction to our screening, doing a little trivia, giving away some comics. As always, our comic book movie screenings at the Alamo Drafthouse are sponsored in partnership with Four Color Fantasies, the Eisner-nominated comic book store. We're thrilled that Philip Kennedy Johnson agreed to do an in-person introduction we reached out to him and asked for a virtual one like uh, Chip Zdarsky did for us for Howard the Duck or Scott Snyder for Mask of the Phantasm and he was like yeah that's good I can do that or I could just be there in person Ooh. and we were like okay here's your tickets you too can be like Philip Kennedy Johnson and get into our Ang Lee Hulk screening for free all you gotta do is join our Patreon yeah. and then tell Lisa and or Brad that you are coming. And then we will hook you up. Now is the time to join our Patreon. Over in that feed, we are reading for the first time Sandman Endless Nights, the Neil Gaiman classic, which is also more than 20 years old at this point, just like Ang Lee's Hulk. And we are reading it one chapter at a time, one episode at a time. And if you love Comic Book Couples Counseling, last year in the main feed, you got 53 episodes of us. But if you are a Patreon member, you also got 73 extra bonus episodes. So you're not getting the whole comic book couples counseling experience unless you're joined up to our Patreon. You can join for just a dollar a month or $12 a year. That's a deal and a steal. Next week, we are finally launching our Scott Summers and Emma Frost counseling series using Grant Morrison's final new X-Men chapter and, drumroll please. Oh, drumroll in the wrong place. Stop the oh. drumroll. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have finally picked our love expert for Schema. Uh, now you do the drumroll. Now drum I can roll. do the drumroll. Yes. <laughs> Our love expert is going to be Dr. Nicole. Okay, that's too much. It's going to be Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist, using her book, How to Be the Love You Seek, Break Cycles and Find Peace and Heal Your Relationships. I hurt my tongue doing the drum roll. I'm very excited for that episode. Our next creator conversation will be with Todd McFarlane again. How did we get so lucky? <laughs> it's going to be our fourth conversation with Todd McFarlane. Uh, we're still, you know, getting hyped for Spawn issue 350, which is right on the horizon. And so many new Spawn universe titles have been announced, and we're going to get into all of that. Uh, yeah, uh, I like, like I, again, I just wish you could have told 12-year-old Brad that one day in the future, Todd McFarlane would not be able to stay away from your <laughs> podcast, and 12-year-old Brad would be like, what's a podcast? Is oh, it yeah. something like a pog? And I'd be like, don't you mean spogs, spawn pogs, which I did find in my basement of my parents' house just today, and I brought them back, and I've been playing with my spogs. And that's the end of this episode. I'm a little loopy, Lisa. Yeah, you are. How about, <sighs> how about we give that tongue a rest okay and it's finally time to get to that sucking i've been looking forward to with my new dyson vacuum 
Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation oh, to you? Oh my God, Lisa. Uh, our listeners can find me on most social medias at Mouthdork, uh, which is not located anywhere in Metropolis yet. Uh, if you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at a cool hand fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show posters, send them to Karen Chap at Karen underscore X Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation? Where can they I'm- send? Hold on! Hold on, hold on, hold on. Lisa! Yes? Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I can't deal with this level of momentum, so I'm just going to slow our outro down for a second. Thank you. I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, YouTube... Good Pods. Audible, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app you prefer. We're everywhere. If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. 73 bonus episodes last year alone. Thousands of extra hours are awaiting you in our Patreon feed right now. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on all the socials at CBCC Podcast. You can give us the gift of five stars in Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if you'd like to do an active service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? Yes, please. We're fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. <laughs> we are stupid <laughs> giddy right now. This is the most chaotic <laughs> outro. <laughs> Until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. We do not have a third eye comics that close to us. However, we regularly, 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 regula- right, we regularly, yeah, regularly. Nope. Regularly? Yeah. Regularly. We. We. Routinely. Routinely. <laughs> <on> the 